When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocery and The Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you. Marinero on this Wednesday following the Montreal Canadiens 3-2 overtime loss to the hands of the Los Angeles Kings. Joining me, Stu Cowan from the Montreal Gazette. Hi, Stu. Hey, Tony. How you doing? I'm doing well, Stu. The big story really wasn't the Canadians losing to the Los Angeles Kings. The bigger story happened probably, um, give or take, two and a half hours before the game when Carey Price issued the following statement. Let me put on my glasses so I can read it. Over the last few years... I've let myself get to a very dark place and I didn't have the tools to cope with that struggle. Last month, I made the decision to enter a residential treatment facility for substance use. Things had reached a point that I realized I needed to prioritize my health for both myself and for my family. Asking for help when you need it is what we encourage our kids to do and it is what I needed to do. I'm working through years of neglecting my own mental health which will take some time to repair. All I can do is take it day by day. With that comes some uncertainty with when I will return to play. I appreciate all of the overwhelming support and well wishes. I please ask that the media and our hockey community continue to respect our privacy at this time. Your support and respect of this so far has been a critical piece to my recovery. Stu, it's a post that he posted on Instagram, which was picked up, of course, the Canadians sent it out on their social media platforms, on their website, on Twitter, and issued his statement. It's a post that took a lot of people by surprise. Did it take you by surprise? Um, a little bit. The timing of it did because, as you said, it was a couple hours before the game. I was uh, I just finished writing a column. I was getting ready to leave for the Bell Centre when I got a call from the office asking me or telling me about the post. I hadn't seen it yet on, on Instagram. But uh, I think Price wanted to meet with his teammates first before issuing any kind of statement. And he did that on uh, Tuesday morning. Originally, it was supposed to be Monday morning, but the, that got switched around. He ended up showing up at the Bell Sports Complex on Sunday to meet with the training staff and then met with the players on Tuesday. And I guess he figured uh, sooner rather than later would be best to get the statement out and just let people know what he was dealing with. And I think it was a, a smart move by him. It ends a speculation by fans and media, guys like us, about what, was wrong with him or what he went away to deal with and uh kudos to carrie price for having the courage to first ask you know call the nhl uh, uh nhl pa player uh, player assistance program to get help and then come out of it and feel confident and comfortable enough to uh, address what it was that he was dealing with uh substance use and um which mental issues which uh, go hand in hand in this case um, so yeah, so he got it out there and he cleared it up a bit. And, um, now it's just a matter of, uh, you know, Dominic Deshaun put it best when he said, this is more about Carey Price, the human being than Carey Price, the hockey player. Uh, so my thoughts are with him, not only with him, but with his wife and his three kids at this time. And hopefully, uh, 
he can continue on on, uh, on a path that he seems to be on right now after going through that player assistance program. It's uh, the sick podcast, Marinero, Cowan, and Stu. You know, we've all heard things over the years. I mean, let's be honest. We've all had people close to the situation whispering in our ear about this guy, this, that guy, that. Um, This secret must have weighed on him for such a long time. I mean, he said in his own statement, over the last few years, I've been in a very, very dark place. And, you know, everyone assumed that he was cool as a cucumber and chill and he had the perfect demeanor for the job. But could you imagine? I've been thinking about this since he issued the statement. The goalie of the Montreal Canadiens. Is there a more pressure-filled, pressure-packed role or job in any sport, in all of sport, than the goalie of a franchise as historic as the Canadiens? Le Canadien Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens, 24 Stanley Cups, goalies, the Drydens, the Plants, the Roys, the Vezinas, the Hay- uh, Hainsworths, um, the Worsleys of this world, uh, and so forth. Um, such a huge tradition of great goalies. And the entire city, and they haven't had a cup since 1993, and the pressure he must have put on himself last year in the playoffs, and then once they made it to the final, and I mean, he, he was bound to crack, and and he has, and he's admitted it, and um, it's just, could you imagine 15 years of that, Stu? Well, I wrote a column, just finished it a few hours ago, that's up on the hockeyinsideout.com now, and I sort of talk about that. And you got to remember, Carey Price came from Anaheim Lake in BC, a little tiny, tiny community. The closest bank was 300 kilometers away. Closest hockey program was 300 kilometers away. He grew up in a very isolated, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, situation. And at age 20, he's thrown into the bright lights in the big city in Montreal under what you mentioned is a huge spotlight. Um, at the time, I don't think the Canadians handled it properly. I think he should have been living with another player or he should have been living with maybe general manager Bob Ganey at the time, like we've seen Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh and other young players thrown into a big spotlight. They're sort of uh, even in Montreal, Brendan Gallagher lived with Josh Georges and uh, it didn't happen. And, you know, Carey Price had a lot of growing up to do on and off the ice early in his career here. And he, you know, he put this thing, this Mr. Cool thing, and he, he is a man of very few words. Jeff yeah. said that the other day, not only with the media, also with himself. I spoke with his wife uh, during the playoffs in the Toronto bubble. And she said the same thing that he's just, he doesn't speak a lot. He's sort of a quiet guy. So he's been keeping a lot of this, uh, inside whatever he was dealing with. He's always had this Mr. Cool exterior, but you never know what's going on uh, behind that exterior for anybody, not just Carey Price, but anybody in life. I mean, I, you know, I think of Robin Williams. I think of, um, uh, you know, the, the money and the funniest guy and, and the, the mental health issues and the substance issues that he went uh, through. Anthony Corbain, the, the, the CNN uh, food travel guy, the same type of thing. So you, you never know what's going on inside, you know, behind when somebody puts on that cool sort of happy uh, facade on the out, not facade, but that the way they look that way in the outside, so you never know what's happening on the inside. And the thing with, with pro athletes, they live in a very different world than the rest of us. And, you know, one of the most important lessons I've learned in life is never judge someone until you've walked a mile or unless you've walked a mile in their shoes. And it's hard to judge anybody unless you've been living in that spotlight and living in that lifestyle. And same with pro athletes in general. You know, so many people look to pro athletes to be role models. And from being around a lot of pro athletes, it's probably a, it's not a good place to be looking in a lot of cases. Uh, Felipe Alou said it best, role model should be your parents, not somebody because you can shoot a hockey puck or stop a hockey puck or dunk a basket. Yeah, yeah. And, um, these guys live in a, in a different world and there's different, you know, we think, oh, they're making money. You know, Carey Price is a beautiful wife. He's got three kids. His life should be so easy. But again, until you've walked a mile in somebody's shoes like that, they, they, there's different pressures on these people and these families that the rest of us don't necessarily face. And money doesn't, you know, money doesn't buy happiness or solve all the problems in the world. And the pressure of Carey Price being in this constant spotlight for so many years. And as he says, he's been dealing this, he was in a dark place and this just didn't happen overnight. This is something that I'm sure has been a process and it just got to the point where he just couldn't handle it anymore. And he reached out for help. And um, 
you know, it's a similar situation. We've seen it before. I mean, you know, Chris Nyland went through a situation like that and he had to reach out for help. He reached a point where he just needed help and he got it. And we see Chris Nyland now and he's turned himself around. He's been sober for over 10 years now. He's, he's, you know, working for radio. He's doing all that kind of stuff. So hopefully for Carey Price, that'd be the same kind of path for him. Yeah. But as I said, it's been, it's been a long time living in a real pressure packed spotlight. Remember that time he a few years ago, and I mentioned this in the column that I just wrote when he said he, he, he couldn't go to the grocery store anymore. The grocery store. So he was living like a hobbit and he couldn't go out. And that's, there's very few times. That and I think that was eight years ago. Yes. There's very few times that he has opened up and not been Mr. Cool and not been a man of few words. Very, very few. There was that time. There was a time after he broke Jacques Plante's record uh, for most games played. I remember he had a brutal season that year and the fans gave him a standing ovation at the Bell Center and he had tears in his eyes under his mask. And he talked about afterwards how he really needed that. And that was surprising at the time. You, you needed that, really? But, but then, you, you, again, you don't realize what these guys are, are, are going through. And, and Having you know, said all that, Stu, having said all that, you know, he is a role model to many people, even though you said choose your parents as role models. He is, and a lot of athletes are. And I have to tell you, um, much respect for him going public with this. He oh, didn't yeah. have to, okay? Mm -hmm. Some will say that... Um, more and more people were starting to talk about it and it was probably going to get out. So before it did, it doesn't matter. He didn't have to. And by addressing it and he's wanting to put closure to it, uh, which is great. Um, and, you know, Stu, you know the way it is, right? Like I've had a rule ever since I entered media and that was um, – I don't want to get into details about a player's personal life and what happens at home and what happens outside of the rink. All right. And uh, I think I've always respected that. Um, unfortunately, and I know you would do the same and have done the same. Not every member of the media is like that. There are many, there are some who are bloggers or whatever. There are some who are trying to make a name for themselves. There's a lot of hockey websites with people behind them that we don't even know who they are. And this was probably going to come out at some point because it would have made huge headlines. So he got in front of it. But more importantly, and, um, you know, what he did was exactly what he actually said in that statement. It's what we would want our kids to do if they have a problem, especially an addiction. And that is to recognize it, admit it, and go out and seek help. And this guy who's a role model to so many people, could you imagine how many people are probably not admitting an addiction, not recognizing an addiction, not wanting to do anything about an addiction? And now their role model comes out and a guy who they thought was unflappable and they realize he's human just like me and he has the same problem and he's going out there and he's doing something about it. And if he can, I can too for that. I tip my hat, much respect. 100%, Tony, because as I said earlier, you think his life should be perfect, right? $84 million contract, beautiful wife, three kids. It wasn't. And, and hope all of us, I think, have had someone in their life, if not their direct family, a, a friend or a cousin or somebody who has either had substance issues or mental health issues. And if you haven't, consider yourself very, very fortunate. Um, so for Price to come out and, and a lot, the first step, as they say, is admitting you have a problem and then asking for help. And Price has done both of these things now. And talking about a rollout, it's a great example for others moving forward. And I wrote a column after you'd first gone into the uh, player assistance program. I got in touch. Remember the young boy who had uh, met Price in Toronto? His mother had died. Of course I do. Before. And uh, he Carrie had him go down to the NHL awards in Vegas. If did. memory serves me well, gave him a hug there, invited him to the all-star game. Yeah, he, he did. And this kid's mother had died and his goal, his dream before his mother died was to one day meet Perry, Carrie Price. And they never were able to make it happen. And when after and her mother, his mother, when she was dying, basically said to the rest of the family, please get my son to see Carrie Price. <clears throat> when he finally did in Toronto, the kid broke down. You remember that video of Carrie coming? Yeah. Out? Give gave him a, a nice hug, gave him um, a couple said, of hockey sticks and signed his jersey. And it shows the humanness 
to carry price, which we don't get to see or we haven't got a chance to see a lot. I mean, I've been, you know, I was sports editor for 12 years and the last seven years I've been columnist and covering the Canadians and I was around price on almost a daily basis before COVID. But as I mentioned in the columnist, there was only one interview I've ever had with him that he sort of opened up a little bit to me. He's very, he doesn't like talking to the media. Um, I don't know if I've been his favorite media person either, to be honest with you. Uh, but there was a one time it was a team photo day and it was his first time that he, you know, they do their team photo and then they do a photo with the family afterwards, the wives and kids. And it was the first team photo he had had with a child. His first daughter, Liv, had been born a little less than a year before. And I asked him how fatherhood had changed them and whatnot. And I asked him, you know, with everything you've been through now, if you could go back and give your 20-year-old self advice, what would it be? And I can't remember the exact quote. It's in the column, but it basically was like, you know, don't get too high and stay positive when things are negative and things are, are obviously negative for him now. So I'm just hoping that Carrie can take his own yeah. and stay positive through this and, um, you know, get his, you know, as Dominic Shrimp said, you know, it's more about him, the person, him, the father, him, the husband and his kids and everything else. Um, you got to remember he, he left for 30 days. He didn't only leave the Canadians as what his kids, he didn't see his kids for 30 days. You're a dad. I'm a dad. You know how difficult that would be. Kidding me. So you hope now that that everything in his life can now come together and, and, and make him happy. Right. Yeah. How much money you have or what you do, you want to be happy in life. So hopefully he can find a happy place for himself, for his family with the Canadians and uh, move forward from this. If Carey Price is your favorite player in the National Hockey League or another player is or any sport, any team, sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more and our sick merchandise as well. You can pick it up. Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. All right. Okay. So um, take your time, Carey. I mean, that's that's my message. And, you know, the Canadians... And I, I've had this message now for several weeks. You know, Stu, they're three ten and one. Let's be honest. Um, it would take a minor miracle for this team to make the playoffs. Uh, I'm only going to leave a slight chance or a slight percentage because St. Louis, I think, was probably last in the league in January several years ago, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup. But the majority of the time, you dig yourself a hole in this league. If you're in a good division or in a very good conference, uh, you, you, it's almost impossible to get out of. So they'd have to play over 700 the rest of the way. If he would come back, the pressure that would be on him to try and win hockey games from those fans that absolutely want to make the playoffs at all costs, knowing everything he went through, I say once again, take your time, Kerry. Yeah, that's that's great advice. It's not, <clears throat> you know, and it's going to be no matter how quick he wants to come back, it's going to be a, a, a lengthy process. Dominic Ducharme laid out the other day, it's going to be like a four-step plan. <clears throat> First, he has to get in shape. He has to be in the gym and get in shape. So the second stage is going to be going on the ice with the therapist to see if his knee has recovered efficiently from the surgery he had in the offseason. <clears throat> it's that knee surgery that kept him out of training camp. And one of the reasons anyway, then he'll be getting on the ice with the goalie coach. Then he'll be getting on the ice with his teammates. And then Ducharme also said he'd probably end up playing a couple of games in Laval before he kept it again. So no matter how quick he wants to come back, it's going to be a long road. And he shouldn't try and make it any quicker than it should be. You know, take all the time he needs and get this team isn't going anywhere. They're not making the playoffs with or without Carey Price. It's over. It's done. Uh, you know, Carey Price behind that defense and and that penalty killing unit, you know, save a few. And the way they play, just the overall way they play. I mean, they're they're, they're disjointed. They're disconnected. They're, they're, they're out of sync. They're averaging two goals a game. And Michel Therrien, one of his great lines, you just score three goals in the NHL to win a game. Well, if you're averaging two goals a game, you're going to lose an awful lot of games and carry your goalie. Carry Price isn't going to fix the penalty kill. He's not going to fix the power play. You know, the, the six forwards the Canadians had on their third and fourth lines the other night have combined for two goals all season. Uh, you're not going to win hockey games with that and whether you have Carey Price or not. So, I mean, to me, if Carey Price, I don't know if he wants to play in the Olympics, that might be something in the back of his mind. This would obviously be his last Olympics. Um, maybe that's in his mind. Maybe that's why he wants to come back. If, if that is in his mind, that's something he really wants to do. And him and his doctors think that might help him some way. Moving that forward. could be, that could be a, a, a huge, yeah. 
um, challenge that he's probably put forward for himself. Now, we talk about pressure. Could you imagine playing for your country and everyone wanting you uh, to win Olympic gold? But um, you know what? It could be his motivation as well, besides obviously doing well in life. I'm talking from a professional perspective, of course. Uh, It could be maybe one of those things where he's saying, you know what? I want to be able to prove it to myself that I can get back and, and I can, I can, you know, backstop Canada to gold. But once again, just, you know, take your time, Kerry, because the last thing you want to do is just have him rush everything uh, and it'll end up setting him back even a little bit more. We're live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube. Sharing is caring. So if you're watching this in the sick podcast and you like what you're watching and you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends so like that we can make this bigger um, than ever before. All right. So, um, I think, is there anything else that you want to revisit, you know, talking about Carey Price or anything else that we haven't said that you want to touch on? Um, I, what I, I mean, as much as the pressure and everything has gotten to him, or seems to have anyway, obviously I think it played a role in where he is now. And in, in overall, Carey Price has handled remarkably well, sort of the pressure, like, he's, like I said, you can't judge someone until you've been in their shoes. And yeah, you know, from a young age, from 20 years old, as I mentioned, from a kid coming from a little small village and being thrown in here and everything that came at him, he's made mistakes along the way. Uh, no one's perfect, Stu. Nobody's, nobody's perfect. Nobody hasn't made mistakes along the way. And I'm not. You're not. No, no, not at all. And um, he's handled to be in that environment and to play as, you know, we saw him in the Stanley Cup playoffs last season. He was he was the Carey Price we all remember, right? He was amazing. He was the best. He, he's the reason why the Canadians went to the Stanley Cup final. I want to I want to yeah. admit something to you uh, tonight. I don't know if I've I have before. I think I have said this to some, but there was a big part of me that was hoping that he was going to get picked up by the Seattle Kraken. That part of me that was hoping that he was going to get picked up by Seattle Kraken is I mean is there's there's you know. One of the major reasons was he's been the goalie of the Montreal Canadiens once again since 2007. Mm -hmm. Um, There have been a lot of ups and downs. That's an incredibly long time that could weigh on anybody. And, you know, Seattle would have been close to home for his wife. It would have been close to home for him in terms of their place where they have, I believe, in Kelowna. list goes on and on. An expansion team with... Um, you know, they wouldn't have very high expectations. There's obviously a lot less members of the media. There's a lot less pressure would have been brand new, fresh start. Anyway, it didn't work out, but that part of me wanted him to go to Seattle. And you know what, Tony, as much as the Canadians <clears throat> put the story out there that, you know, they, they're gambled and they were happy. They didn't take him. And <clears throat> I wonder if, the Canadians weren't hoping he would get taken. And I'm wondering if Carey Price wasn't hoping he would be taken. And I'm wondering if Carey Price's family wasn't hoping Seattle would take him. So you say his, his wife's family's there, out of all this spotlight, out of the bigger pressure, no pressure to win in Seattle. and go there, play his game, not have to deal with 50 media people after every game. So, uh, Stu, it's, it's very simple. And I know... We'll do groceries and not be recognized. Yeah, it's I very simple. And I know they... I know they spun it the way they wanted to, Stu, as an organization, but here's the deal, okay? They left Carey Price unprotected to absolutely not lose, with all due respect to Jake Allen, a backup goaltender. I know he's a very good one. There's a lot of very good backup goaltenders in the National Hockey League. If he would have been picked up, Everyone would have been okay with it. I agree. And as I That's mentioned, it. you know, he's talking about doing groceries. Excuse me. These guys with the Canadians, everywhere they go, they're in a spotlight. It's not just at the rink. Uh, when my kids were in elementary school, uh, Eric Cole's daughter and Brian Jonathan's son were in the same school as my kids. And I remember the first day of school being in the backyard at the school with my kids and you're sort of looking around and the teachers all stand there. They have a big sign with the kids' names and you look and see which class your kid's in. My son was in grade two or three. I can't remember. And I'm looking for his name and I see his name. I see where the teacher is. So we go there. And then this guy walks by me and he has a hat pulled down low. And I look at him and I go, that's Eric Cole. I said to my wife, I said, that's Eric Cole. 
And she goes, no, that can't be Eric Cole. And I'm telling you, it's Eric Cole. And I look back where my son's name is, and underneath my son's name is Bella Cole, who is, so I said to my wife, that's Eric Cole. And then I said to my wife, it's sort of cool that nobody's recognized them yet. And the words hadn't left my mouth when somebody went, that's Eric Cole. And everybody went to see him. And he was like, oh, no, he was nice with people not, but like, you know, the, my coverage sort of blown. Yeah. And after the first few days after school, you'd go in the yard to pick up your, my kid and Cole would be there. Jaunt, and there was parents like, you know, talking to them or wanting an autograph or wanting this or wanting that. And the principal of the school, to her credit, sent a note out to all the parents saying, please leave them alone in the schoolyard and treat them just like any other parent. Imagine, Tony, you come out, to, you go to wow. school and your kid comes out and every day your kid comes out, all they wants to do is see you and you're surrounded by 20 people who want to talk about the hockey, want to talk about that and want to talk. That's just a small example of what these guys live with and what they go through. And Bob Gainey, the last time I interviewed him, I think it was that night they had the Canadians captain's name at the Bell Centre. And no, I grew up when, in my single days, I was downtown a lot. And I used to see Bob Ganey in the bars. I'd see Chris Chelios in the bars. You'd see Shane. Yeah. You'd see all, you'd see them out all the time. You really didn't think much about it. And if they were drunk, you didn't think much about it. And if they were having a good time, you didn't think much about it, but <clears throat> social media and these things changed everything. Everybody's got a phone in their pocket. So imagine now Canadians lose a game and the guys go out to have a couple of beers. Well, the second they go up, pretty much half of the city knows it right away type that's of thing. Right. It's on their route because they're losing because they're drinking. So that, that that's the Carrie Price said sort of living like a hobbit. And and Bob Ganey had a great line for me. He said when he when he first came back to Montreal as GM, he realized the guys don't go out anymore. You know, back at the forum after practice, every day after the forum, the Canadians all went to the brasserie across the street in Alexis Neon Plaza. You knew they yeah. were gonna be there. The whole team might be there, half the team might be there. Nobody made a big deal. If you saw them, hey, there's Guy Lafleur, there's Larry Robinson, there's whatever. But now times has changed. And Ganey said, he says, I don't know if they don't go out because they don't want to go out or they don't go out because they can't go out. And I think it's the latter. I think you don't see these guys around anymore because they can't. Because if they go out and have a beer in their hand and they're like, I go out and have a beer after work or anybody else goes out and has a beer after work and the pictures come, oh, they're losing because this guy was in the bar drinking last night or this guy was out. So that's the whole it's changed so much. Yeah. Well, my days of being a single guy and going downtown and seeing these guys in the bars all the time and, and you know, having a beer with them or not even really thinking about it. Everybody would go, oh, that's Bob Ganey or that's whoever, but it's totally changed now where these guys, they, they end up when they're at home, they almost do have to live like hobbits. And it was yeah. being in LA on the road a couple of years ago. And, uh, sitting at the, it was after the game in LA and I was sitting, I was having a pizza and a beer or whatever after the game and watching the sports highlights. And I looked over and uh, I noticed at the table, there was Pat Shreddy and I think Tori, uh, Tori Mitchell, a few of the guys with Paul Byron sitting yeah. there, and nobody knew who they were. You know, they're just wow. some guys and, and they were sitting there. And I, was, I remember thinking to myself, these guys must love when they go on the road. Just Stu, why don't we do this? Let's take some questions before we do. Cherry River Heart Seltzer, only 90 calories, natural flavors, no preservatives, now available in Quebec uh, grocery stores and at the beer store. Joe Casanova, can you imagine the pressure Price will have when he comes back? Joe, this is why I hope that when he does come back, because he will, the Canadians already will be mathematically out of it. And at that point, there's no pressure. Stu? Yeah, I agree. And we were talking earlier, Tony, about the Seattle situation. And I, I don't think Carey Price would have minded going to Seattle. And I don't think the Canadians would have minded him going to Seattle. From a strictly hockey standpoint, that was their last chance to get rid of that contract that he has. I don't think. Now, I wonder, like, if I'm Mark Bergevin and I'm sitting down with Carey, like, Carey, do you really want to come back and play in Montreal? You know, or would you rather go somewhere else where the spotlight is less and maybe it is Seattle and maybe Seattle didn't want him in the expansion draft because they didn't want to pay the 10.5 million salary. But maybe if the Canadians ate half that salary or something in a deal, they Seattle might take them. And that's something that's something. I'm not I, so sure I want to talk about this too, but in light of the statement that came out, I, I think it's going to scare uh, a lot of teams away. Well, if there was even any little bit of interest. The first of all, though, carry price, you don't have to prove he can, and again, Carey Price, the person who's more important than Carey Price, the hockey player. 
I want to make that clear, but we're just talking from a hockey standpoint because yeah. we're two, you know, we're sports guys and that's part of what we talk about. Um, but that might be something in the back of his mind. And we talked earlier about the Olympics. Well, what a good place to prove that you can still play would be that. So again, it's, I don't want to talk too much with the hockey thing, but I, I, I no, honestly, more, more questions Stu. Pasquale Falbo. Do you think he'll stay with the Habs? And I think you just tackled it and look, I, I think it will be, it's an interesting point that you brought up. There's no doubt about it because based on the struggles he's had over the last few years that he admitted, I mean, you would think that Montreal is well, probably no, the last place you want to play hockey. There's no doubt life would be easier for him and his family in Seattle or somewhere else. Yeah. Really stay, but, you know, he has a no-movement clause. The only reason he waived the no movement clause for the expansion draft is because it was Seattle. I mean, if it had been somewhere else, I don't think he would have. So he still has that no movement clause where he can decide if, where he wants to go. And then what other teams are going to want him with that salary. So there's a lot of things. But but there's no doubt in my mind that life would be easier for Carey Price somewhere other than Montreal. Having said that, and as I mentioned earlier, he's done such a good job for the most part of, of dealing with playing in this for, for so long, since he was yeah. 20 years old, he's been living in this environment. And, you know, it's, he's been the guy for such a long time here. And the other thing I mentioned in my column, I have a quote from him from a few years ago when he said he met with, um, this is after another time he was, he, he sort of opened up a bit when he was going through a rough time. He said he had met with Ken Dryden and Patrick Waugh. Yeah. And sort of talked with them a little bit, but he was too shy. He's his words. He was too shy to really bring up everything he was going through with them. And now that speaks volumes when you look back at it, right? He had these two guys. Uh, Ken Dryden was a different era. Like I was mentioned before, the guys could go out. Nobody cared what they did or whatever. Patrick Waugh came in at that time when it was starting to get a little bit more difficult for guys to do stuff like that. But Price, in his own words, said he was like he was too shy to sort of really divulge what he was dealing with or how he was feeling. Yeah. And GGR. Sorry, I hope now that he he's fully open dealing with whoever he's talking to, like what, how, you know, just how, again, you know, I've covered this team for, for seven years straight and I've, I've had one real conversation with Carrie Price that I felt I got to know him a little bit. And that was that team family photo day. Apart from that, he's been very reserved and man of very few words and uh, almost uncomfortable talking uh, with the media and sort of like can't get it over quick enough, you know? All right, let's get to more questions. GGR says maybe the organization doesn't want guys. They pay millions out on the town. Well, well I mean, of course yeah. they don't, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're human like you and I, if I go out, still goes out, they're going to go out. That's, I mean, lots of people in life. So what do you do when you have a rough day at work? What do people do? You go out and have a beer, right? You go with your friends. You go unwind. You, you go unwind. unwind. We have a glass of scotch or whatever you do. It's like there's nothing wrong. It's part of being human. I think a lot of fans forget at times these guys are human. Yeah. Know, I can't believe they were in the bar. They lost the game. Yeah, well, they had a bad night. You know, if you have a bad day at work, you probably may want to go have a beer afterwards. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong. These guys, you got to remember, they're human. But it's become, <clears throat> in this day of social media, it's become really hard for them to be human. It's, it's just become, you know, Tell you another quick story. I remember being at uh, at Hurley's Pub downtown uh, the night it was after Lyle Odeline had signed a contract. And looking back, I don't remember how much it was. It was probably less than what the minimum wage or minimum salary is in the NHL today. And Lyle, we were sitting there. Was a uh, Mitch Malnick? There's a few of his media guys there. And Lyle came in, and you could tell he had a few already celebrating. He started buying rounds for the table, and it was great. He was being human. Here's a guy who just signed a contract, and yeah. he was. Sort of Thing. He was saying, "Can you believe how much money these guys are giving me?" And he was, and Lyle Odom was a great guy, and you know it was a fun time. But it, it was just fun. He was human, and yeah, you, know, you don't want them out. He's a human being. They go out and they have fun. You don't want guys being drunk downtown, making fools of themselves and whatnot. But it's human to go out with your friends and have a beer or have a bite to eat. And as I mentioned, that game after the game in LA, that's what yeah. they were doing. There were six or seven guys sitting there at a table, having a bottle of wine or a couple of drinks and something to eat. Like normal human beings do. There's yeah. Says Arno, with the pressure of the Habs losing in the start of the season, Carey doesn't need the pressure of coming back and carrying the team on his shoulders. Do you guys agree? We most definitely do. We both said, I yeah. think, that he's probably going to come back. And when he does um, this season, 
we're kind of hoping that they're going to be out of it so that he doesn't have the pressure of trying to get the team into the playoffs. And I mean, if they keep on playing the way they're playing and they keep on losing the games, they have a record of three, 10 and one. They have to play 700 the rest of the year. They're not mathematically done, nor will they before they get to probably, I don't know, the 65 or 70 game mark. But um, it's, it's, they're, they've dug themselves a pretty big hole. By the time he comes back, Tony, the, the, it'll be better for the Canadians to lose than to win. I agree with you 100%. So here's that's, another that's one. From rushing price back, if, <clears throat> you know, if you're out of it and winning games is going to hurt you moving forward when it comes to the draft, if, we've talked about this before, Tony. Players don't tank. Teams tank. Teams Without tank. Carey Price in nets, you have a better chance of losing than with Carey Price in nets. And if it's a case of saying, Carey, take the whole year off, Get your life together. Get everything together. Don't even worry about coming back. Just worry, you know, get yourself in shape as you want and, and get your life in shape. And, and Stu, and I've said this and I maintain this, um, as much as we take a look at the team and we know that they would be in serious trouble after losing Weber, Edmondson out with an injury, Paul Byron out with an injury, and Carey Price out, if we know, and, and you know, if we know they're in trouble, they know they're in trouble. Of course. If we know they're a fragile team, they know they're a fragile team. If we know that every center is playing one spot above where they should be, and with the exception of Josh Anderson, they're missing toughness at the forward position, and this team desperately needs two mobile puck-moving defensemen. If we know that, they know that. So if a game plays out and they're behind the eight ball and they're losing, they're not giving up on purpose, but knowing that the odds are against them, it just it makes everything so much tougher. Tony, Red, Red Fisher, who originally hired me at the Gazette and was a mentor to me along with Michael Farber. I was so fortunate to have those two guys when I first started in this business. You know, Red always drilled into me, you criticize, but be fair. And as he said, when you write a guy who had a bad game, he knows he had a bad game. You're not telling him anything he didn't already know. Like yeah. they, know they, they know better than we know when they've played bad or when they've played well or when their teams played bad or when their teams played well. So, yeah, just as you said, they, they, the Canadians realize now. I mean, they go out. They're not going to go out in, in front of us and say, <clears throat> our team's not good. We don't have a chance. You're going to, you know. But in the back of their head, they're looking and saying, we're not going to win. All right. Joel asks if, Stu, you really think that Dominic Ducharme is still the man for the job? It's like firing Dominic Ducharme isn't going to change this team right now. Uh, they just signed into a three-year contract. They're still paying Claude Julien $5 million this year, not the coach. The thing with Duchamp... Well, they're not going to fire him, period, right? They're just... No. Even if a new GM comes in, let's just say they fire the GM, they bring in a new one, the new one will likely keep Dominic Ducharme there at least till the end of the season to evaluate yeah. his work and yeah. then decide in the offseason what he wants to do going forward. I agree. I think there's going to be a change that's going to be... Now, having think- said that, if I... Having said that, Excuse me. for me, as much as the Canadians don't have certain personnel and they're not a great team. Every student in the class with the exception of Nick Suzuki is failing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to necessarily say that they have a bad teacher, but I think the teacher's teaching bad right now. So he's clearly teaching uh, a subject matter uh, with the wrong um, textbook. With with the wrong textbook or the you know with with the wrong pattern here, it's just it's not it working. Like it seems like his system, Tony, is too confusing, and it takes guys too long to figure it out. And they figured it out in the playoffs last year. They took him a whole <clears throat> when he took over from Julian. It took him a long time to figure it out. When they figured it out in the playoffs, it worked really well. And then seven guys or whatever it is, key guys from that team left, and all these new guys came in, and they, now they're struggling to figure it out again. So it's almost a case of yeah. I think. You know, he's almost dumb it down a bit and eliminate some of the options he has in different situations and just sort of make it make it easier, easier for guys so that they're playing rather than always thinking, oh, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be there? The game yeah. it doesn't seem like the game is coming naturally to them. It seems let's like- let's do this, Stu. Let's do five speed questions, okay, before we say goodnight, five of them. Tony Beaudry is the right boy, a generational player. Do we hope and pray that they tank? Well, I hope and pray that they rebuild because even though a rebuild doesn't guarantee a Stanley Cup, 
it did well for Washington, who had Ovechkin at one and Backstrom at four. It did well for Chicago, who had Kane at one and Taves at three. It did well for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who had Flurry at one, Stahl at two, Malkin at two. And yes, they won a lottery with Sidney Crosby. Um, but in cases where a team went the way of a rebuild and they didn't win a Stanley Cup, Colorado's pretty damn exciting to watch with Nathan McKinnon. Edmonton's pretty damn exciting to watch with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And say what you want about the Leafs, but they're pretty damn exciting to watch Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. So I'd love for them to go the way of the rebuild. Generational player, that's a big, big label to have. I don't think Shane Wright has that label just yet, but clearly he's the consensus number one pick in what will be the 2022 NHL Amateur Draft, which will take place in Montreal. Next question. This one's for Stu. Could Carrie... Uh, abandon his contract and re-sign a new contract for $7 million or $6 million to get traded? Stu, I know the answer to this, but I'm sure you do to. too. This is from Keith Pine. Even if he wanted to, the NHL pay would, NHLPA would never allow him to. Remember Roberto it's, Luongo? Remember correct. Roberto Luongo's famous quote, I hate my contract, or I think that was something along that yeah. line. He wanted to get out. So the NHLPA would never allow a player to back out, especially a contract like that. That's Your contract... Period. Is yeah. your contract. Next question. On to question number three here. Uh, was the playoff run a mirage? If you're losing and losing and losing, maybe it's the system. So my question is, uh, is it the system or the players or both? This coming in from Joe Romito. I recognize the name. That's my buddy Joe from Marche Tanya. His wife, by the way, makes amazing cannolis. Mr. Biscotti. Go Do ahead. You know uh, <laughs> hey? Do you know everybody? <laughs> I know a lot of people. Uh, a, a mix of both. As I mentioned before, I think the system is a, a little confusing, and I think uh, the changeover in the players. David Savard is not Shea Weber, even though you know Dominic Duchamp said at his golf tournament they were basically the same player. They're not. Um, you know, Cedric Paquette is not uh, uh, Corey Perry. Uh, you know, the, they're missing Joel Edmondson. They're just missing so many guys. And Christian Dvorak's not Phil Deneau. No, he's not. We're learning that, and, and we're learning that pretty quickly. Um, it's, it's, and there is a period of adaptation, and I'm sure that Dvorak will be better. But I just, he's not, from a defensive standpoint, Dano was one of the top six in the National Hockey League at what he did, and I don't think Christian Dvorak will ever enter that category. Tony, there's a difference. We were talking about it, playing in the Montreal spotlight and playing elsewhere. Playing in Arizona, nobody cares, right? Yeah. It's the game. There's no media there. There might be one guy. Uh, you're no, nobody's criticizing your game on the radio the next morning. Nobody's, you know, they're all talking about the Arizona Cardinals or the weather or the golf. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. And it's a big difference from going from an environment where nobody cares whether you're apart from your coach and your teammates or whatever. Uh, and we're talking about the different environment for price of was in sale. Well, in Arizona, you leave the rink, you go golfing. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares who you are. You don't hear about it 24 seven about how good or how bad you're playing. And it's a lot easier an easier environment to play hockey in this is not an easy environment to play hockey in no Dvorak is adjusting he's adjusting to this whole you know playing at the bell center playing talk 24 7 hour thing in this city and I've, I've said this before I've written this before the Montreal Canadiens have become a reality tv show it's 24 7 it's people talk about it all day they talk about it 12 months a year we're talking about it now it's it's constant it's constant 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 and there's a good yeah. side of that in that the passion for the team and people love it and if the team's winning and you know Donald Trump had a good quote uh, today you know when, when everything's going great with the Canes the fans raise them up too high yeah everything's going bad they pull them down too low and it's it's so true you know when they're great everything's great and this guy's the greatest center since John Bellavo and this guy's the best goalie since this guy and and then when they go down this guy's a bum and that guy's a bum and somewhere yeah is where, where it should be in a Norman and most markets where it would be. You can place your bets on my bookie. Go to mybookie.ag slash the sick podcast and use code sick picks to double your deposit bet, win, get paid. My buddy cash is not here. I'm going to try and give you a winner. I'm going to go against betting logic. Okay. Betting logic is you ride a hot team and you don't bet on a losing team on Thursday night, Los Angeles Kings visit the Ottawa centers. The Kings have won six in a row. Ottawa's lost like five or six in a row, something like that. But Ottawa, three games in four nights, all of them on the road. 
Um, and uh, I think they may be a little bit tired, and I think they may be – this may be the game that Ottawa comes out of their funk. Mind you, they are a little decimated. Why don't we go with the under? Maybe make it a low-scoring game. That'll be my pick. Let's go for the under in the game between Ottawa and Los Angeles. I think that's a better game to go with. And Boston and Edmonton, I'm going to surprise you because Edmonton games are usually high-scoring. Maybe go with the under here, too, because I think Bergeron and company are really going to try and neutralize McDavid and company. So those are my picks. Maybe one more question before we say goodnight. Let's get to it. And by the way, sharing is caring. Rebuilding is what needs to be done, starting with a different group of scouts. Um, is Trevor Timmons done in Montreal, Stukowin? Well, he's got nine lives, right? Is he, maybe he's used up all nine, or maybe he's only used up eight. I don't know. I mean, and you got to remember also, it's a business. Uh, Mark Bergevin has signed a lot of his people to contracts. All the coaching staff has a three-year contract. I, I'm not sure exactly what the contract situation is with the Timmons and the other scouts. Um, so you start firing people. You got to replace them, and then you're paid should be noted. He's the assistant general manager, mind you, by title. Many people seem to think that Scott Mellenby is the one who's closer to Mark Bergevin. Maybe he is. Stu, based on what's been coming out over the last couple of weeks here, um, it's going to be tough for Trevor Timmons uh, because if there's a new general manager, you'd have to think he'll bring in his new scouting department. Even though last time there was a new general manager and he stayed on, and if Mark Bergevin stays on, it's going to be that he's going to stay on, but a certain, you know, the media and a certain sector of the media especially is going to want him to do some significant moves and uh, it's probably going to be drafting. So it's 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 going to be difficult for him to get over the hump here. It, it doesn't, if there is indeed a new general manager, and I think there will be, I think Mark Bergman is out. I don't think he wants to come back. Uh, even though he said he wants to come back. I think he wants to come back if the money's right, but if the money's not right, he wants to go somewhere else. Um, it's... It is up to the general manager, but it's not up to the general manager because Jeff Molson signs the paychecks. And if the general manager wants to clean out the scouting department, he's going to ask the, ask Jeff Molson if he's willing to eat some contracts. And, and as I say, he's paying Claude Julien $5 million this year, not the coach. It's a lot of money to pay a guy not to, to sit at home. And um, Jeff Molson is the only person who has the answers, and we don't hear from Jeff Molson. So Okay, a last one. Kennedy Carvalho, who are the front runners for GM? If there is a new GM, who are the yeah. front runners too? Limited, limited candidates because of the language issue. I mean, I've mentioned Matthew Darsh before. I think he would be uh, a, an excellent uh, candidate. From Martin Madden Jr. is another candidate, you would think. Madden Jr. is another candidate. And there is Patrick Roy. There is Patrick Roy. That would be... Uh, but he'd end up being the owner, the GM, the coach, the assistant, the associate, the, the, money the equipment the manager, the goalie coach. <laughs> <laughs> you might, yeah, you might want to be the goalie coach too. I don't know. I mean, if, if Jeff Molson wants to create, uh, uh, you know, a lot of headlines and a lot of uh, talk about the team, Patrick Waugh would be uh, would be a guy. But uh, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I, it's uh, and again, it's Jeff Molson has made it clear that the GM and the coach have to be bilingual, so it limits the number of, of candidates uh, that are out there. But you know, I know from as I mentioned Matthew Darsh. I mean, I know Matthew a little bit. Uh, yeah. Smart guy, bilingual guy, played in the NHL, director of hockey operations now for the Tampa Bay Lightning, learning under Julian Breezebois, who was brilliant as a general manager. I love him too. Montreal is still a different animal. Like Mark Bergevin oh, yeah. had this much experience. Yeah, uh, He did everything. He did director of player personnel. He did pro scout. He did amateur scout. He did assistant coach. He was assistant general manager. He did everything. Yeah. Um, had one Stanley Cups and then he got here. And his first five or six years, he was learning on the job. He realized yeah. that Montreal is a different animal. The thing is, Tony, one thing Matthew Darge has that Bergevin doesn't have is a calmness where I think, and Matthew Darge has worked in the business world. I think Matthew Darge can separate business and personal relationships. And I think that's something that Mark Bergeron has struggled with, which is, I think, which led to P.K. Subban situation, which led to Max Pacioretty, which led to Andrei Markov, which led to Radulov. And I think one of the downfalls in, in Mark Bergeron... And some will say, which also led to um, 
leaking the Price contract and the Gallagher contract and the Petrie, and that is there were the two extremes, right? Uh, if he's if he's the president of your fan club, you're really going to be treated well, and if he's not, and Philip Deneau's contract being leaked, and somebody once told me that Mark Bergevin, if he puts an X beside your name, there's no eraser on his pencil. It's a great line. And so if you fall into his X book, he's not, it, it, you can't get the name erased. And again, you're you never going to fall into my X books, too, Cowan. <laughs> but just, you know, the way Andre Markov's career ended here, it shouldn't have ended that way. Uh, you know, Pacioretty came into a he said, he said thing, which shouldn't have ended that way. The Canadians should have just said, we're moving on from Max Pacioretty, which is what they wanted to do. But then they turned it into, he asked to be traded. And he said, no, I didn't ask to be traded. And what probably happened was a blow up between Bergeron and Pacioretty. And Pacioretty you would said, think. Pacioretty said something like, well, if you hate me that much, trade me. Or something like that. And that led to, uh, he asked to be traded. So it's just, there's, there's so many of those things that led to, you know, he didn't want to sign PK Subban and Jeff Molson stepped in and made him sign PK Subban. So Mark Bergeron's done good things as GM. He's made some good trades, but again, he's an emotional guy. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. Stu Cowan, I'm not trading you. <laughs> and I want you to continue to be back on the sick podcast and together in ending. And once again, sharing is caring. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends. It is the sick podcast. And let's together, Stu, you and I say the title of tonight's live podcast, Take Your Time, Carrie. Take your time, Carrie. Take your time. There's no, yeah. And, Take your time. and good night. Right. Thank you, Stu. Take care, Have a And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and The Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks Near You. 